Boston Sports Syndicate. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of Above the Parquet. And if you are new here, if you're a newbie, the Above the Parquet podcast is the Boston Sports Syndicate's podcast that is dedicated to everything Celtics, NBA, and hoops in general. I'm your host, Matty D. Uh, and again, you know, I never do these things alone. I got the boys with me. Got the great blogino, Chris Henrique. Chris, what's up, dude? What's up, guys? How we doing? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And you know, it's just me and Chris. We got the third amigo here, the head writer for the Boston Celtics here at the Boston Sports Syndicate, Derek McVeigh. What's going on, Derek? Not much. I think it's officially basketball season, right? With the uh, the Patriots crapping themselves again yesterday. I think it's officially basketball season. See, no, Derek is also if you if you recognize the voice, it's probably because you also listen to the Fire the Muskets pod, and Derek is a regular on that show as well. So obviously he's got to get that that quick Patriots point out. But you are one hundred percent right, Derek. Patriots are donezo. Celtics start this week, this Wednesday. We're recording right now on Monday night. So, yes, we are in hoops season officially. Does either one of you gentlemen have any opening thoughts that you'd like to go ahead and tell the audience before we dive right on in? Let's just dive right in. All right. So tonight's agenda, we're going to talk about the two preseason games. We're going to talk about our expectations on the regular season. We're going to talk about our expectations on the players and and the team in general. But before we dive into any of that, I wanted to talk to you gentlemen about that new rumor that has hit the Twittersphere today, this afternoon. And that rumor is that the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, or the Tampa Bay Raptors, whatever you want to call them, they are right now the favorites for a James Harden trade. I know. I hope you're sitting down for that one. Now, this is coming from a John Granado. He tweeted it. He's not verified, so I don't know if who this gentleman is, but apparently he is the morning host of the bench on ESPN 97.5 in Houston. The guy's got 17.5 thousand twitter followers so i'm thinking he's legit and he's saying he has impeccable sources claiming those two teams are the front runner for james harden Derek, what would what what do you think about james harden wearing celtic green i don't know i mean that's i i did see that that rumor too and that's i mean he did say impeccable source i don't know how many people that refer to their sources as impeccable so there might be some some legs to this rumor but i just think it would cost them too much to get a guy like that. I mean, it's, it's already been said that the Miami Heat kind of backed away because the Rockets were asking for too much from them. And I think the Heat have more in terms of, like, young assets than, than the Celtics do. So I can only imagine what the Celtics would need to give up. And what you would have to give up to bring back Harden, I just don't think that makes the Celtics a, a championship team. I mean, he's obviously one of, if not the best scorer in the league right now. Um, you know, 
MVP. I think he's led the league in scoring like two or three years in a row. So the guy knows how to score, but he's just so ball dominant. And I just don't think he would fit well in um, Brad Stevens' system. Chris, let me hear what you have to say about James Harden, the lefty, coming to Boston to play for the Celtics. I think I'm good with with James Harden. I don't know. I mean, like, it. I, I feel like it kind of fits a little bit of the agenda. Like, hey, it's a big name. If if you're a big name in the NBA, the Boston Celtics appear to be attached to that player in some capacity. Um, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But I just I, I take a look at kind of the way that the Celtics are currently built. Do you really want to subtract the potential of maybe Jalen Brown, maybe Marcus Smart, maybe one of the two guys who was just drafted? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I just I just don't see it as a fit. And I also don't really necessarily feel like we're going to lock this dude in here for two years because that's how long his contract's for. I mean, if we're going to give up these players, then like I want I want Harden to sign or know that he's going to sign an extension. I just it feels like Kyrie. I feel like this has the potential to be Kyrie all over again. Uh, you know, I I don't want to be like I know like the last time I was like <clears throat> getting all over Ainge because you know not putting this team over the top. I just don't see James Harden as a long term solution for the Boston Celtics. I think. You know, in terms of opinion, I share pretty much everything the both of you have said, you know, about James Harden and bringing him here to Boston. Not necessarily. I don't think he's a good fit. I mean, have you guys seen the pictures that circled around during the, the I think it was their second preseason game? Were those real? <laughs> For his sake, I hope not. He's looking pretty beefy. Because he's looking thicker than a milkshake and... <laughs> If you come in with his, I just don't think his game would translate well packing on the pounds. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, as a finesse player as he is, and how light on his feet with the dribble and the euro step and the step backs, <laughs> it's gonna be a pretty heavy step back if, uh, if those pictures were uh, not doctored in any way. Because James Harden's looking like uh, all the cares and all the uh, you know all the drive that these you know professional players typically have in terms of their ultimate goal, if you're going to show up to the regular season looking like that and doing the press conferences he is, this guy's head's not in it, and I don't think a trade to Boston would all of a sudden allow him to turn that switch and become some sort of, you know, savior to the franchise. Not at all. And, you know, both you guys talked about the return in Mr. Granado's tweet. The package he actually uh, rumors here that he speculates would be a package um, – Around built around Pascal, how do you say his name? Siakam, Pascal Siakam, for Toronto yep. Yep. or Jalen Brown, and I just don't want to trade Jalen Brown for James Harden, guys. I just don't. I mean, you. It finally seems like him and Tatum have the keys to the car, and they're going to be asked to lead this thing going forward. You know, they both have big, big dog money, and they're ready to, you know, take that step. I hope, and to bring a guy like James Harden in seems like taking eight steps back. Like you said, Chris, it, it seems like the Kyrie trade, but maybe even worse. I, I don't even want to get ahead of it. I mean, just like, doesn't it, doesn't it feel like the impeccable sources is probably a guy who maybe has some connection to 
the Rockets organization, like, hey, leak this out to try to get more leverage. I mean, they keep talking about, like, hey, we don't want to trade the guy, but yet there's a different rumor all the time. It, it just feels like it just feels like this is a team trying to get some leverage. And, I, you know, I, I personally don't think that there's any legs to this. And that's coming off of my impeccable sources of me. Like, there's zero to this. I'm like, if the Celtics traded for James Harden and this happened tomorrow, I'll eat my words forever. This, this isn't happening. So, Mr. Impeccable, it just thanks for throwing the tweet out there and letting people create some content. But zero basis. There's nothing to this. I'm telling you. Also, Mr. Granado, uh, you're welcome for the sweet nickname. Mr. Impeccable. If I heard this podcast and I was him, that would be my new Twitter handle, Mr. Impeccable. And, you know, so if it, uh, let's just say, let's just pretend that these impeccable sources are, in fact, real and reliable of trade surrounded, uh, you know, highlighted by Jalen Brown would leave about $16 million needing to be added to that deal to uh, make the two sides balance. I think James Harden has a price tag of about $41 million. And Jalen Brown will have about 23. Is that correct? Something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. And I don't know if my math is right. So 17 mil, whatever it is. So, you know, presumably you're going to have to add the Marcus Smart, which at that point you're changing your entire culture of your of your roster by trading those two guys. And on top of that, or, or, or you know, let's say they don't trade Smart, you're going to be wasting a good chunk of that trade exception right off the bat. I just don't see this working out. And, you know, Chris, I hope you're right. I hope that these uh, rumors are, in fact, whispers, uh, you know, from whoever or someone from the Houston Rockets organization trying to build some leverage. Because if you read the reports out there, no one really wants James Harden. You know, the Miami Heat were rumored, and then they came out and said, no, it was really just, you know, uh, you know, a cursor, cursory. Am I saying that right? Why do I always, why do I always trip on my own words? Am I, am I supposed to be a host of a bot? Whatever. Neither here nor there. But that was just preliminary talks. Didn't go nowhere. The 76ers rumor were the the, the first-round picks were going to be too much because they were willing to put in Ben Simmons, and then and they don't want to trade Ben Simmons. It just seems like the more and more teams dive in to the possibility of acquiring James Harden, they want no part of him. And it sounds like my boys don't want any part of him either. So you know what, James? Go ahead and stick stay in Houston or – whatever you want to do, but we don't want you here in Boston. No offense to you. Uh, let's just, that was, you know, I wanted to dive into that room real quick because I wanted to see what you guys thought. If you thought there was any meat to that bone. Who Sounds uses like, the word impeccable? Like Mr. Impeccable. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of stuck on that. Like, like impeccable. That's like, I don't know. Okay. Right. So, you know, like I said, the guy has almost 18,000 Twitter followers. So, he has some sort of following, and he seems to have it's an impeccable following. <laughs> he seems to have uh, the right bio on his profile, but his profile picture is Roger. No, what is that? Rob Manfred with the Pinocchio nose, inferring maybe he just likes to lie. I don't. Hey, you know, it hey. also says it also says um, he loves his wife, kids, golf, Coors Light, and poker. Maybe he's um maybe he's bluffing here. He might be bluffing, and when you use the word impeccable, that does sound very used car salesmanly like. Oh no no, this Toyota Civic it is impeccable. <laughs> no no no, I know I understand that the brakes don't work, and yes, the windows don't roll down, but everything else is impeccable. 
Yeah, maybe this guy's sources aren't right, but who cares? On to the next topic. The Celtics played two preseason games in preparation for the regular season, and they didn't go so well. I'm just going to go ahead and throw the ball up in the air, and whoever wants it, grab it. What are your thoughts initially on this preseason debacle, we'll call it? If I could if I could insert a like a puking noise, I would. I mean, those two games, the, the final scores and like the box scores tell you all you need to know. And it was just kind of like a continuation of that heat series at the you know end of the summer, early fall, where it was the Celtics just fell in love with the three-point shot, kept missing them, and then they just stopped playing defense at times and games just got out of hand quickly. I mean, that Brooklyn game was, uh, I mean, it was over, you know, couple minutes into the second quarter it was like they they truly came out and like treated it like it was a preseason game like it didn't matter and that kind of worries me a little bit just because that's not something that we've seen from a Brad Stevens coach team really ever like one of the best things about Stevens that he gets the most out of his talent and these guys come ready to play every single night and that's why at the end of the year they're normally towards the you know the top of the standings when maybe they aren't as good as their playoff seed indicates because they come ready to play every night. And, you know, when as other teams rest guys and take nights off, the Celtics are, you know, playing their hearts out every single night. So they're winning, you know, three or four or five extra games during the regular season. So you've never really seen, um, you know, like a lack of preparation or a lack of effort from a, a Celtics team, you know, in, in recent memory. So that, that worries me a bit. But again, it is it is just the preseason. Chris, what were your, uh, you know, first takeaways from this this preseason? Well, it was an impeccable play, that's for sure. Um, but it's preseason, guys. It's two games. I don't know how we're gonna. I don't know how you can really cast a lot of doubt, or even you know, really cast an opinion yet on this team. It's it's you know, two games. I mean, again, box score said one thing. The play on the on the court said another. Um, I think if, you know, we're 20 games into the season and this team still isn't playing well, all right, it's a different conversation. But, I mean, how many months have these guys removed from, from playing? You know, it, it's they've had not the normal offseason. They had, a, you know, a handful of months off and kind of right back into it. So, you know, some newer players in the team. You're now two years subtracted from Kyrie and Al Horford. Now you're going to be – now you're, uh, you're subtracting Gordon Hayward – you get some younger players in, in, in Naismith and with Pritchard. You're adding in some new players into the equation like Jeff Teague. You don't have your starting point guards and, and, and walk because he's hurt. So Teague's there. I just think they got to work through some of the kinks, and we'll see how they play this week in the first two games. If they look similar to these two, okay, I can understand maybe some of the feedback and the conversation, but I think it's a little early to maybe cast some doubt or opinion at this team, you know, is struggling or, you know, doesn't look what we're accustomed to seeing from a Brad Stevens coached basketball team. It's only two games. So it's really impossible for anyone to really hit any type of panic button or anything like that. But what does stick out to me was neither game were they able to reach a hundred points. And especially in that first game, Tatum four for 13 from the floor, Jalen Brown one from 11 from the floor, uh, you know, it could just be the first game back getting the rust off, but, then again, they didn't. It wasn't all that long ago when they played their last game, and you hope that they would come in hungry now that they're the two, you know, stars on the team. 
So to see them come out and shoot so poorly makes me a little, you know, uneasy to start the season. Not long term. I'm not really, uh, you know, writing them off or anything like that. I just think it's something that to to like like Derek said, it does present red flags considering this is not usual uh, behavior from the Brad Stevens team in early on in the preseason. And one other thing that, you know, kind of makes me a little nervous is they're going to get a prime time game right off the bat against Giannis and the Bucks. If they come out flat and get, you know, ran right off the court, it's going to look bad and it's going to set a really bad tone for them in the early parts of the year. So that's something I would, you know, I, I would hope that they can correct before Wednesday night because no one wants to see them get ran off the gym by by the Bucks right off the bat. Right, and then they have Brooklyn again on Christmas. And, I mean, Chris is right in that. It's, it's only two games, so it's hard to – to get a read and take too much away from it. I think the one thing that was like so frustrating about these two is because they were so similar to kind of the, how those games against Miami went like Tatum and Brown, just consistently missing jump shots. And like the frustration of seeing, seeing them put up those poor shooting performances and, you know, coming into the season, it's now it's their team. And we, everyone acknowledges that it's, you know, Tatum and Brown are going to take this team as far as they're going to go. And if they're going to go further than they did last year, they can't have those nights where they're four of 13 or one of 11. I mean, Tatum was two for 13 from three in these two games. Brown was two for 12. So like they can't have these nights, you know, once in a while, you know, once every 20, 25 games is one thing, um, but they just can't happen very often. So I think that was the most frustrating part of seeing it. Oh, certainly. And, And you mentioned the, you know, the matchup with Brooklyn, right away on Christmas uh, when they played, when they played Brooklyn here in the second preseason game, Durant and Kyrie looked legit. Now I know Kyrie cheated. He did some sort of ritual around the court to start the game. I don't know how any team lets him do that. If that was my home court, I'd say, no buzz off, buddy. You're not going to put, you're not going to put these, these vibes and these spells and these hexes on my court. Get, get that out of here. But anyway, seeing them two, absolutely dominate you know scoring 25 from Durant 17 from Kyrie Irving you know I I hope that this is just two games two bad games and they can come you know guns blazing ready to go Wednesday and I don't you know I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloom because you know I am Mr. Positivity here on the Boston Sports Syndicate Network so I want to talk about something in the preseason particularly in the first preseason game that was a positive and that is their 2020 draft pick, Peyton Pritchard. This guy already is getting praise from teammates and coaches about his IQ and his work ethic and what he can bring to the team on and off the court. Oh, excuse me, on and off the court. 16 points in 22 minutes with four rebounds and two assists. What did you guys, you know, did, what, what did you guys think of Peyton Pritchard in that first game? Or, you know, in the preseason in general? Yeah, I mean, he looked good. He looked good against Philly, and then he, you know, he struggled against Brooklyn. I mean, I uh, like right after the drafts, I was, you know, higher on the Neesmith pick and didn't think Pritchard was going to be anything special. I thought he was going to be kind of like, uh, you know, Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards, just a guy that comes in and you know maybe gets in a few games throughout the season, but spends most of his time in the the G League. Um, obviously they don't have a G league this year, but just someone that kind of sits at the end of the bench and doesn't really contribute, but it's clear that 
Brad Stevens and the Celtics think he's going to be a, you know, a big part of the rotation. I mean, he played 22 minutes against the Sixers and I think like 20 might've played 20 against the Nets. Um, so, I mean, he looked good. I mean, he looked like a rookie, had some good, some, some good points and some, some low points, but I think he is going to get a, uh, you know, a ton of minutes and it looks like he may get more than, you know, Neesmith may get. Yeah. Neesmith, I don't think he looked bad. I like Neesmith. He he didn't shoot from three-point range, you know, as well as somebody who was supposedly the best three-point shooter in the draft. Now, I'm not knocking the kid. Um, he can, I, he looks like he can shoot the three. His highlights, he looks impeccable from beyond the arc. <laughs> so I'm not going to knock him here. But, you know, shooting, I think it was two of eight from beyond the arc isn't great. But then again, he did, I think, have ten combined rebounds, which shows he might be able to provide more than just shooting. So I think that was also a positive seeing him, you know, Naismith hit the ground run and, and, and contribute along with Pritchard. And you got to see T give them good minutes, especially in that first game. Uh, but I want to ask you guys, we, we've done this podcast now multiple times together, many times together. And one constant through almost every episode is, you know, it is us talking about the lack there, uh, the, you know, the big men or the lack thereof. So what, what did you guys think, and what's some of your thoughts on some of the bigs uh, in those two preseason games? Well, I think the the big they still have a big question mark with Tristan Thompson, right? Because you haven't seen him, you know, he was with the I don't I don't want to say big offseason acquisition, but a notable one for a big guy, and you haven't got to see him yet. He's still nursing a, a hamstring injury, and Tice Tice didn't play against Philly, um, so they really only had Robert Williams, and then I guess. You could consider Grant Williams a big man. I mean, Taco Fall played about five or ten minutes, but he's not going to get you know any meaningful minutes. Um, but Robert Williams did what he what he does. You know, he hangs around the basket, gets some dunks, some alley oops, grabs some rebounds. Um, I don't think there was a lot of positives really from every from anyone in these two games. I mean, Teague had a had a good first game, but then didn't do too much in the second game. Um, I don't think anyone really really blew me away over the the course of these two games. Yeah, and it's tough to see, you know, how it's going to play out with the bigs given the fact that Tristan Thompson did not play. Now, B-Rob of uh Boston Sports Journal, he tweeted out this afternoon that Tristan Thompson will have a minutes limit when he is cleared to play and he also practiced again today. So it does seem like he's trending to maybe play uh if it's not the first game or the second game but within those first handful of games he should be back and you know when you have Williams, Robert Williams, Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson that should be a good grouping of, of big men to to do, you know, a lot of the dirty work, hit the boards and and protect the rim. So although I didn't see uh anything really to ride home about in the preseason, you know, knowing that this group is, is going to be, you know, solidify, uh, you know, the four and five position, uh, I, I am pretty encouraged overall, I must admit. Chris, anything else you want to add about the first two preseason games, you know, that featured the Boston Celtics? I mean, I'm excited about uh, what, you know, Pritchard is going to be able to give to the Celtics. He's definitely going to benefit from Kemba Walker, you know, being on the shelf to start the season. You know what I mean? So he might get to play maybe 12 to 15 minutes a game and, in you know, begin to kind of experience it, you know, playing in the NBA. So I, I like to I like to be able to kind of continue to see his development. I You know, he's getting a lot of comparisons to Marcus Smart with his motor and the way that he plays. And he's a feisty player. And 
I think those are also, you know, good things. Having a guy on the court that can, you know, basically, you know, get under your skin, you know, at all times, whether you're interchanging between him and Smart, I think it's going to be, it's, that's a good thing, you know. So, um, you know, once Kemba gets, you know, gets healthy, I, you know, I love the fact that the Celtics have a guy like Jeff Teague. You know what I mean? Like you can, you sign him to be a legitimate backup off the bench that can also fill in minutes as a starter in case if Kemba goes down. So um, I think Danny Ainge hit it out of the park, finally getting Teague and it, and it looks like Pritchard again, two games, but it looks like that he might be able to play, you know, at the NBA level at the, from the 26th pick in the draft. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on Robert Williams as you know, you guys seem to be, I, I really just never really been a Robert Williams guy. I think he, I think he gets his ego inflated by green teamers. I think that he, I just, I, I, with, with what I saw and with what I've heard with, you know, in the preseason, I, I'm just, I'm not excited about what he's going to bring. I don't think he's going to steal the starting position. And if he does, it's because Tristan Thompson's out for an extended period of time. And, and I mean, that's, that's really it. I don't see him as, as a starting center in the NBA, but this is, this is a good opportunity for him to try to take that next step. But uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not high on Robert Williams. Chris, are you, a, would you consider yourself a punctual individual? Well, I wasn't tonight cause I got out of work a little bit later and we had to start this later, but, um, I don't. I mean, I would say yes, but I mean. Well, there it is. That's why you. That's why you don't like the Time Lord. If you're a punctual no, I, guy, I don't like, like so I, we can never show up on time. I it's not that I don't like the Time Lord. I just, I hate when we like, paint these guys into something that they're not yet. Like, all right, he's a big, but he's a big that hasn't shown anything yet. So, you know, you got people saying he's going to start or he's going to he's going to steal minutes. No, he's not. He's playing right now because Tristan Thompson's not ready and Daniel Tyson's should be a backup and he's going to be once Tristan Thompson's ready. And I just, I don't want to be the, the naysayer, which I guess I kind of am on the Celtics podcast, but like, I just, can we look at the guy for what he is? Just an average player, an average player. You're not winning a championship. Well, they're not winning the championship this season, but you're not winning the championship with Rob Williams as your center. Well, bah, Humbug, Mr. Henrik. <laughs> Sorry. No, no worries. I, we, that, you know, that's what I, I you know, I, I, I take pride in this, and I'm sure you guys do too. And I hope the listeners uh, send us kudos for this. We're not green teamers. We say it like it is. And if we don't like a player or we don't think something's gonna work out, we say it. And you know, you're right. Robert Williams hasn't shown much, and they keep giving a lot of minutes to Tice. They brought in Enos Cantor last year. They brought in Tristan Thompson this year. So they, they, they don't look at him as their primary five, and it's probably for good reason. So, you know, if he can give them anything, that's great. But, you know, that's not who they're going to be relying on. They're going to be relying on Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice, uh, you know, to, to really do all the dirty work down low. Um, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Regular season starts this Wednesday, the 23rd. Christmas Eve Eve, if you will. Their schedule is pretty tough out of the gate. I have to admit, their first five games go as follows. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, the Pacers, the Pacers, and Memphis. Now, the Memphis Grizzlies has been a layup over the last few years, but they are on the up and up. You know, they're built around John Morant, and they have some good players. So that is not going to be an easy game for the Celtics to play. 
uh, especially coming up. It's going to be the second game on a back-to-back. Uh, are either of you guys concerned or, uh, you know, want to talk about the importance of the of the first five games and coming out of the gate ready to go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that they come out with, uh, you know, better energy and, like, effort than they had in the preseason, which, I mean, I, I think everyone will because, you know, preseason is preseason. Um, but they get a, a chance early to kind of show that they belong among the, you know, the elite of the Eastern Conference. Um, and it's, I think the whole season is going to be interesting because some, there are some instances, you know, due to COVID where it's like set up like a playoff series. Like those two games with Indiana, they're both on the road, you know, back-to-back games on the road against the same team. That doesn't happen unless you're, you know, playing them in the postseason. And it happens, you know, a few times throughout the year, I think, Shortly after that, they go to Detroit for a couple games, uh, you know, in a row, and then they host a couple teams, you know, in Boston for a couple games in a row. So it's going to have like a postseason type vibe a little bit, but that's just kind of the the way the season is constructed this year. So it'll be it'll be interesting, um, but they do have a chance here early on to make some sort of statement. Um, I don't think they need to, you know, win every single game, but if they split these these first couple of games, Milwaukee and Brooklyn play each team tough and. Uh, I think that's the most important to show that they belong with the the elites of the East. Chris, do you have anything you want to add? I think that first game, Milwaukee's got something to prove. He got bounced out in the in early in the playoffs against the Heat. They get Giannis on that massive contract to keep him in Milwaukee. You add Drew Holiday to the mix. Um, I, I I think the Celtics, if to Derek's point, if they can they can start the season. Two and two, all right. I, I think that that's a win. I think the I think if you can steal the first night, go one and zero and steal one against the the, the Bucks, that that's going to be a, it's a good start to the season. But um, I think they lose the first one. I think they can beat they they're going to beat the Nets. I they you know the Pacers that back to back maybe concerns me a little bit. Um, but you know looking at the first five games, I would it shock you if this team was either three and two or two and three. You know, flip of a coin, probably not. So, but we'll have to see, though. I think the, the key is really is going to be is like, you know, how is how how is a guy like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, how are they going to emerge to take the next step? Because now this is their team. You know what I mean? Like, there's no more no more waiting. You know, Tatum is being paid like a big boy now. You know, he's getting paid big money. With comes big money becomes comes the responsibility. Jalen Brown, time to take the next step. Let's have a Marcus Smart fall into his role and assist with this team. See what you're going to get out of Tristan Thompson. You know, can a guy like Naismith give you good minutes and, and quality scoring off the bench? You know, is is Pritchard is Pritchard like a, was he a, a find in the draft that you can have come off the bench and play some meaningful you know minutes to kind of spell Teague? I think there's a lot of really good positives for this team. But there's a lot of other teams that just got really, really good as well. I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks got better. You know, like the Heat's gonna, the Heat's better. Yeah, you know, the Pacers. All right, you know, the Hornets. Okay, you know, I think the Hornets maybe. You know, we can have a conversation once we get to see what you know, Ball's gonna do. But I think it's, I think this season, this season needs to answer some questions on what and who the Celtics are going to be in the future. They have to take the next step this year. You brought up a couple of things that I just want to tack on real quick. Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're the big dogs now. You know, they got paid and they're being paid like they're the best players on the team. 
and it's time to take on that role uh, and excel. It's time to put up or shut up. And we talked about that a lot, actually, on our segment of the Boston Sports Syndicate 100th episode, Bonanza. And if you haven't checked that out, listener, finish this, finish this episode. Don't hit pause. Finish it. But then you want, you're going to want to go back and listen to that 100th episode. It's lengthy, but, man, it is fun. And, and those four hours, you know, I listened to the whole thing. I was part of two segments, two, and I still went back and listened to it. Thing flies by. It's just a lot of fun, so make sure you check it out. The other thing you brought up that I want to talk about with you guys, Marcus Smart and his shot selection. That might be the biggest storyline uh, in the offseason, you know, it's it was right up there with any anything on the anything on the court related. You were hearing about Marcus Smart and his shot selection and what he's expected to do and and, and what they want him to do and what they need him to do. And then he comes out in the second game of the preseason and shoots three for eleven, one from six from three point range. That's just not going to do it. That's going to kill them. And then you know reports have come out that if he Brad Stevens wants him to shoot when he feels like he has the shot. And that's not a good sign because I think the quote from Marcus Smart was anything, any shot I take is great as long as it's a great shot, something along those lines. That's not the exact quote, but I'm paraphrasing. So Marcus Smart, his shooting, is, is that going to be a big you know, hindrance to this team going forward this season? Yeah, if, if, if he's going to be taking – if he's going to be taking the big shot, then yeah, this team is screwed. This team is this team is this team is done in the first round. Like Marcus Smart needs to understand what his role is and what kind of player he is. He is not a superstar. He is not a one. He's not one A. He is a role player on a really good basketball team. He was picked sixth overall. I think that's a stretch, but he's a scrappy player. He brings energy the second he gets to the court. Plays outstanding defense. Be that type of player. Stop trying to be the player who has to take the game-winning three or the key shot. That's not what they're paying you to do. Like, this dude frustrates me so much, and I watched him take so many key shots in the damn playoffs, and what did it? What what result did it yield? It, it, they were bounced in the Eastern Conference Finals. Again, if this dude is going to be taking the key shots, I'm out. Like, I'm done on Marcus Smart. I, like, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm just I this I don't do like I just personally think he sucks. But first sorry, Robert but... Williams, now Marcus Smart. I mean, well, no, because like, just are you gonna break all the hearts no, like, the, of Boston, no, like, Boston Celtics fans? Be be the player that you are though. Like, stop trying to be. He's not a superstar. You know, he's not the player to take the game winning shot. He's not the player to take the keep. Yeah, every once in a while, knocks down a good shot. Great, but like to your point, you're shooting threes. You're one of six. Like, are you a three point shooter? Like, what is your role? I feel like this is a guy on a team that we talk about, like, he's energy, fiery defense, gets under the skin of players, like, but yet he's taken the key shot. Like, someone needs to tell him what type of player he is because clearly Danny Ainge and and Brad Stevens aren't. So if that's what they're fine with and they want this dude to throw up the three, whatever, good. Eastern Conference Finals and we're out again. That would have been more dramatic if we're on, like, YouTube TV or something because I would have, like, dropped the mic right there. But, you know, Chris went on to talk about, you know, the the, the, the negatives of Marcus Smart and, and his maybe excessive shooting at times. What are some of the things you are looking for Marcus Smart to do this year to help the team if it's not shooting a ton of shots? 
Well, I mean, his his you know his normal things. It's it's all the little things, the stuff that don't sh- doesn't show up in the box score, the hustle plays. Obviously, his his defense, uh, bringing that energy and fire, and uh, defending any any and every position on the floor. Um, you know, I'd like to see him be more of like a like a captain on defense, like directing people where to go, making sure everyone's in the the right spot. Um, and but you know, going back to your uh, like original point about his his shooting that's the thing like it's his his shot selection is what needs to improve and he's he's said that like that's what he's focused on this offseason but to like to chris's point the coaches like brad stevens and his teammates they all tell him if you're open to shoot and that's what he does i mean he does take some some bad shots with you know with you're like scratching your head you know like why you took that but he does take a lot of open shots um so I mean, you know, he's if he can knock some of those down, um, you obviously want to see him shoot more. But I think his his big his biggest thing is is shot selection. Um, I'm okay with him taking open threes as long as they make sense. You know, if it's three seconds, uh, you know, into the possession, and there's still you know 20 seconds on the shot clock. You know, maybe pass it up and and try and get a better shot. But if the the possession's winding down and he's open, I mean, he's got to let it fly. You have to. He's got to take some of those shots, not not all of them, but he's got to take some of those to keep the defense honest or else guys are just going to pack the paint and leave him wide open and make it hard for guys like Tatum and, and Brown to get to the basket. I think you're definitely right on that. I mean, I'm probably, I probably fare somewhere in the middle of the two of you guys in terms of Marcus Smart. So I do think, you know, a lot of what he brings to the court is positive in terms of the hustle, but I do think sometimes he gets a little shooter happy and, uh, you know, he takes heat check to the next level. This guy misses <laughs> one, he misses two. He could go five more to see how hot he or or not how, you know, how bad he can be, whatever. But that's not the hero there. That is something we will have to see play out this year in the regular season. And speaking of the regular season, I want to get to we're gonna do a little bit of predicting here. We're gonna have to put on our Houdini hat. We're gonna have to put, go ahead and try to see the future. We're gonna predict some things. I'm pretty sure all three of us believe they're a playoff team, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I playoff team. They are a playoff team. Okay, so we're not going to talk about what their you know regular season record will be. I think they play 38 games this year. Is that right? Something like that. I think it's well, like 38 games. They play. They've got like I think half of their schedule set right now. I think they play. They're pl- they're planning to play 72, but they've only worked out like the first half of their schedule right now. That's what it is. Right. So they have 38 games. Uh, through March as of now, and then they will tack on the the, you know, the second half of that schedule. Right. Uh, so we all think they'll be a playoff team. Where do you guys think they go this year? How deep of a playoff run can they make? Uh, um, I think it's it might be a cop out to say, but I think it really depends on the path. Like if they, it all depends on matchups in in the NBA. If they catch. Um, you know, if they're like the, the three or, or four seed and say they play Miami or Indiana in the first round, I think those are, even though Miami gave them problems last year, I still think that's a winnable series. If they can avoid Brooklyn in the second round, maybe they get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. If they have to play Brooklyn in the, the Eastern Conference Semifinals, I'm not sure, you know, if they've got enough to, to get by them in a seven-game series. Um Again, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Kemba Walker, too. 
if he can't get his D right, and there's no way this team's making a deep run. But if he's 100% healthy, then I, you know, I think they could, um, you know, make a make an extended run. Chris, how about you? What is some? What is your prediction for this team and how far they can go in the basketball year, uh, basketball playoffs in twenty in 2021? Well, I think there's a few things. I, you know, to, to piggyback on Derek, um, you need a healthy Kemba Walker. Um, so if, you know, Kemba can come back and his knee is right and he can, you know, play a significant role with this team, that's a good thing. If he can't, it's going to be hard for this team um, to make a deep playoff run. I also, though, think... You know, I, I know we, you know, you just talked about the path and everything else, but to me, it's the emergence of both Brown and Tatum. You know, did these guys take it the next step to lead this team and take meaningful shots, you know, to get them to the next level? I mean, they're going to be a good team. They have a good roster. I think that other teams got better, though, in the Eastern Conference. So, I personally want them to take the next step. Next step for me is to go to the NBA Finals, but I don't necessarily think that this team right now can do that. But, you know, Danny does have that trade exception under his belt that he can, you know, he can use at any time. Um, So if he brings in something else, another player, a meaningful player to this roster without subtracting your core, different conversation. But, until this team can show us that they can get out of the Eastern Conference Finals, I think this team is probably that's their ceiling, the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, this is going to come as a complete and utter shock to you gentlemen, but I think this is the year that they do make the finals. And here's why. You know, the Eastern Conference Final, the Eastern Conference is obviously stacked. They're loaded. You know, the Bucks are good. The Nets are great. Uh, even... Washington may be a better basketball team with the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. Um, but this, I, I think this is the year because this is the first time that we're seeing Brad Stevens coach two guys that are his guys as the leaders. They've had Gordon Hayward and Al Horford and Kyrie Irving and Danny Ainge continued to bring talent from the outside to kind of mush into the system and, and make it work. Whereas of now, Tatum, you are the guy, you are the top dog, you're the number one, you are the ace. Brown, you're that number two, you're that one B that is expected to to be, you know, electric and, and provide a lot for this team. And Marcus Smart and all these guys, you know, the, those are the homegrown guys, the system guys that have now been with Stevens for multiple years. And I think that is going to lead to better team basketball. And it's going to allow for the team as a whole to take the next step. On top of that, you brought in the guy, and we we've spoken about this in the past. When you know, uh, a past episodes was how much of how or how big of an impact he can have. Uh, he has killed them throughout the years playing for Cleveland, and now they're going to have him on their roster, cleaning up the boards, doing the dirty work. I think that is going to be a tremendous help uh, for this team, uh, and and and. As for the other teams, you know, the Bucks haven't shown that they can get over the hump yet. And Drew Holiday, you know, he's a good basketball player. I was actually hoping maybe the Celtics could do something to bring him in. Um, but 
I'm not going to sit here and act like Drew Holiday is the biggest difference maker in all of basketball. So the Bucks still have a lot to prove in my eyes. Uh, the Nets, which I think on paper might be the favorite because, you know, that Durant and Kyrie Irving duo is, I mean, it's, it's impeccable. Uh, but I'm not also, I, I'm not, I don't believe that Kyrie Irving will be healthy all year. I'm not going to act like Kyrie Irving leading a basketball team isn't the recipe for disaster. And I don't expect them to live up to the hype that's being built up in Brooklyn. Uh, because I, I just, Kevin Durant to me is, I've said it millions of times in this podcast, I'll say it again, he is the softest professional athlete in in, in any sport, um, including baseball, uh, including punters and kickers. And I just don't think he has what it takes to get a team, put a team on his shoulders and take him to the finals. Whereas, you know, Tatum and Brown, yes, they haven't proved it, but they've now been there multiple times. They know how hard it is and they know what it's going to take. And, and I think this is the year uh, that Brad Stevens, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart and company get to the NBA finals. Now that is a different story taking on LeBron or, or that Clippers team. And maybe not that Clippers team. I don't have a lot of faith in that Clippers team either, but you know, taking on LeBron and AD is going to be a problem, but I, I, I'm not going to talk about the negative parts. I'm going to talk about the positive parts. I think this team is championship bound. The hot take, the bold take, Matt. You know, I did it before. Uh, if, uh, any 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 loyal longtime listeners out there remember I called the Red Sox 2018 World Series run dirt. Just for for the listeners out there, I am brushing the dirt off my shoulders. All right, here's the last part of our episode, and I know you're saying, guys, don't please don't go away. This is awesome. I love listening to you, and that is correct. We are awesome. But we have one more segment we're going to provide, and it's honestly the one I was looking forward to the most. We're going to play a little. Celtics preseason superlatives. So I have three categories that I put in the show notes, and this is just for the Celtics, not for the NBA as a whole. We're going to do the team MVP, the most improved, and the rookie of the year. Guys, do you have a particular place you'd like to start with our superlatives? Go most improved. Let's start with most improved. All right, Chris, you brought it up. You go. Most improved. Most improved Celtic. That's a good one. Um, I just spent went on a tirade about Marcus Smart, so it's not going to be him. Um, most improved. I I would have to say the most improved player. I want to see I want to see Tatum take the next step. So I think that Jason Tatum takes the next step and he improves on everything from last season. Uh, I, I just, I, he, for me, is like, he's the key piece. Like if, if he just takes that next step and is the player that we expect him to be, want to be, and need to be, this team is going to make that deep playoff run. So I think it's, I think it's Tatum. Derek, what say you most improved player on the Boston Celtics this season? I'm going to go with second-year player. I'm going to go with Grant Williams. Um, you know, last year he, he played a bunch as a rookie, played in almost every single game, and got some meaningful postseason minutes. Uh, in the regular season, one of his biggest weaknesses was knocking down the three. And, you know, I think he shot like 25% from three in the regular season. And there were a lot of open looks. And I just remember listening to the broadcasts and, you know, Mike and 
Tommy, RIP, Tommy Heinsohn. Um, but we're just saying that if he's able to knock this shot down, he's going to be a, you know, a big piece for this offense. And then the postseason came and he shot almost 60% from three. Now it's small sample size. He was, you know, seven of 10 uh, or uh, 10 of 17. Um, but he showed that he can knock it down. So if he can knock that down consistently in the, you know, this upcoming regular season, he's going to be a big piece for them. And I think he'll be, uh, you know, the most improved. I like where you're going with Grant Williams because I think if he is, you know, if he does take a a good step and and provide more than just kind of the hustle and and provide more of that shooting and clutch three point shooting, to be more specifically, that would be huge for this team. I'm going to take it a different. I'm going to say it's going to be Jalen Brown. Now I know he is already he's already been one of the better players on this roster, but now he's expected to be, you know that guy with Tatum. He's not supposed to just bring some energy and, and show that he's, a, you know, a, a decent basketball player. He's supposed to be a great basketball player. And I think this is the year where, uh, you know, a lot of his playmaking ability shines through. A lot of his, uh, you know, the things he can do on the court in terms of offense and defense uh, are going to provide a lot for this Boston Celtics team, and I think Jalen Brown is going to be the most improved player uh, in this upcoming season. Okay, so that's the first superlative. Second superlative, I think we should save MVP for last. So let's go ahead and start with the Rookie of the Year. Chris, you went first last time. So Derek, who's your Rookie of the Year this year? Yeah, I mean, there's really not a lot of choices, right? Because uh, there's only a, a couple of rookies, um, unless you want to include like newcomers like Tristan and, and Jeff Teague. Um, but I'm still, I'm going to hold out hope for, for Neesmith. Um, you know, Pritchard seems to be the guy that is getting more minutes early on and is going to have more opportunities. Um, but I still have, have faith in Neesmith. The biggest thing, we know he can shoot. Brad Stevens knows he can shoot. And he's he's said as much. He said, I'm not worried about his shot. It's, you know, the other parts of his game that we want to see him improve upon. And one of the things that Neesmith talked about after getting drafted was, I want to show people that I can do more than just shoot the three. Uh, and watching some of the, the preseason games, you know, he, he took his threes, but he was also, uh, you know, Matty, you mentioned his rebounding earlier on. He was in there getting rebounds. He was, um, you know, trying to make plays on the defensive end. He was attacking the basket. So I think he'll continue to work on those other aspects of the, you know, of his game because um, that's going to get him more opportunities to play. And, um, you know, if, as he gets more minutes, I think his, his shot will fall. So I, I think he's going to be, a, you know, the Celtics rookie of the year. Chris, over to you. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I think to Derek's point, you know, Pritchard is going to have more opportunity and that opportunity um, is going to come out right off the rip because of Kemba being hurt. And if Kemba's out for an extended period of time, you know, he provides significant depth to the point guard position. So I think he has the potential and the opportunity to show that he can be their rookie of the year. With that being said, we, we haven't even begun to even see what E. Smith's going to be for the Celtics team, you know, in the draft after he was drafted, rather, everybody said that he was the best shooter, um, you know, in the draft. So he has the opportunity to provide some, you know, good minutes off the bench as well as, you know, a good scoring option, a good scoring threat for the season. So I think because of the fact that Pritchard is going to be able to see some more playing time 
I think that he right now has the outside chance to be the Celtics rookie of the year, but I'm really excited. I'm like, I really, really am excited to see what, what Neesmith can bring and what kind of player that he can be because, you know, for the criticism that Danny Ainge has taken, the criticism that different people and myself have, have given him, it, it, he might've, he might've actually like grabbed two really good players out of this draft. No question. They both have chances to really provide uh, and pack a punch for the Celtics roster. Uh, I'm right there with you. We're all lockstep. I got Aaron Neesmith as my rookie of the year for the Celtics. For everything we've mentioned, you know, touted as the best shooter in the draft, they were able to get him, you know, halfway through that first round. Uh, he brings. He, he doesn't have tremendous size, but he's got 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6", six, six, so, you know, he's he's not short by any means. And I've liked what I've seen so far in terms of him rebounding and some of the other things that he's done on the court that's not just shooting threes. And if he is able to knock down the three as good as he did at Vandy, I mean, he will be dynamite for the Celtics team. Two down, one to go. The Celtics team MVP. I'm not going to I'm not gonna pick who's going to go first. You guys can duel and battle it out. Who's this year's MVP for the Boston Celtics? Why don't you go first? There's, there's three of us. This is the third award. Why don't you kick it off? Ooh. It's like we're playing Uno. You just reversed it <laughs> on me. All right. Well, I'll pick up four. I said his name already in one of my superlatives. I'm going to uh, say his name again. Jalen Brown will be the 2020-2021 Celtics MVP. Uh, last year, he scored about 20 points a game, six rebounds, to assist. I think you see all of those numbers increase. Uh, I think he is going to uh, you know, take a little bit more of that scoring on. Uh, I, I think what he can provide on offense and defense is, you know, it's going to be, it, it's really going to shine through this season. And I, you know, Marcus Smart, for many, many reasons and, and many, many good reasons, is kind of considered the, you know, the source of toughness uh, on this roster. But I think, you know, in terms of leadership and toughness, that's all Jalen Brown. You know, he was he's been here a little bit longer than Tatum and he's a little bit older, you know, and, and you can't find anyone in the basketball world to say a bad thing about this kid and the head he has on his shoulders. And I think, you know, taking his toughness, his playmaking ability and his leadership and the fact that he's going to be asked to be the second best, if not the best player, I think a guy like him takes that in stride and, and, and catapults his career to that next level. And he will be this year's MVP for the Boston Celtics. How do you like them apples boys going first? Right. Now what do you got? I like it. I like it. I though, I'm going to go team MVP. Jason Tatum. He's got a, he has to be the focal point of this team's offense. You know, just said it a little while ago to need him to, in my opinion, to be the most improved player. He holds the key to what this team's success ultimately is going to be. Um, you know, he again, he's be, he's being paid like the guy that should be taking, you know, should be taking the next steps. Like, I don't know. I think I think Tatum is is the guy, and I and I'm like like I'm really really looking forward to seeing him like become the face of the Celtics and and begin to kind of you know, create his legacy in Celtics lore. You know what I mean? And, and I think that he's got a decent core around him. And, you know, the Celtics are set up in a good spot where, you know, they have some options that if they need to go out and make a trade, you know, maybe mortgage the future a little bit. If they need to, 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 to get back, 
potential player to maybe get them over the over the hump. I don't know who that player is right now. Um, and and still a really good young solid core around him. Um, I I think Jason Tatum might end up being he could be he could finish in the top five and just regular MVP. You know, and just in general, you know, like I, this is I think twenty twenty one is Jason Tatum's like true straight up coming out party as a legitimate NBA player. Yeah, I'm I'm with Chris in in Jason Tatum and I I mean I think Brown this team is it's Brown and Tatum. If if their if their team MVP at the end of the year isn't one of those guys, then this team's not going far. It has to be this these um you know, it's got to be one of these guys. It's their team. Uh, you know, if Kemba Walker turns out to be the team MVP, that's great for Kemba Walker. He had a great season, but that's not good for the Celtics. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to be their two best players for them to reach for the Celtics to reach their potential. Um, and I just think with Tatum, he he has shown a little bit more of being that guy than Jalen Brown has. Jalen Brown's a star. I mean, they're both stars in this league, and Brown's been amazing. He's probably a better two-way player, um, but I just think Tatum has shown a little bit more, especially in the postseason, you know, those games where he would score maybe 10, 12, 12, 13 points in a row for the Celtics, just get on those hot streaks where it felt like every shot he was taking was going in. He can create for himself a little bit more than Brown can, um, you know, where Brown's great at getting to the rim. Tatum really can score from anywhere on the court. He doesn't really need a, a lot of space. He can kind of create his own shot. So I just think he is, he is the guy and he'll be the, for hopefully for the Celtics' sake, he is their best player at the end of the year. All right, boys, that's all that I have on the slate for tonight. Do either of you guys have any closing thoughts or anything you want to bring up before we wrap this baby up? No, looking forward to opening night. I love to see the Celtics go out and steal one first night. Me too. At opening night, Wednesday, December 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve. Check it out. And if you want to check us out on Twitter, our handle is above the parquet. If you like to check out any of the three of us individually, you can find me at Maddie D underscore Rose, at Chris Henrique, and at McVeigh34. We, we do podcasts. Uh, we have Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, and Patriots. You can find those uh, on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. Like I said, make sure you check out the 100th episode, Bonanza. It's a great listen. You don't want to miss that. If, you wanna, if you're interested in reading any of our articles, you can check those out at bostonsportssyndicate.com. Again, we got Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, and a little bit of fantasy football. I know you fantasy football players out there, your season's coming to an end. But, you know, you can check out the Fantasy Shark Tank <laughs> if you'd like. That's me. I do that. Uh, anything else for the Boston Sports Syndicate, you can find uh, at Boston Sports SYN on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, check us out. We have a YouTube channel. We haven't been doing a lot of youtube content but that is supposed to be turning up in the near future guys it was great talking to you i can't wait to do this again now that the season is underway i'm sure we're going to be doing this more and more have a great night boston sports syndicate yeah.
music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM.